Brave the Wild with me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Double Twist. Thank you once again for joining me today. Apologize that I didn't get this up a little sooner. Just kind of other things getting in the way, and plus I wanted to wait for uh, Russo's uh, bombshell to come out because, see, he had information at the beginning. It was a lot of information, and then there was the massive bombshell that came out late yesterday afternoon, so... Now I'm kind of fully ready to go, so of course I'm going to cite Michael Russo for a ton of this information, just about everything, and then my opinions are my opinions. So it's like you go with the information, and then you conduct a radio show giving your opinions on it, and of course talking about the uh, future for the Minnesota Wild, the general managers that could be, uh, well, one of them could be the guy, this and that, I'm sure one of the guys that have been mentioned will end up getting the job. Uh, Certain ones I would shy away from in a quick hurry. But I suppose getting an interview, seeing their vision, see how they think, this and that, isn't a bad thing. So, even though they may have had recent poor history and then some rich history. Like Peter Shirelli's about the, you know, he's been on both sides of the spectrum in huge ways. He's been on both poles, North Pole, South Pole. Uh, He's won the Stanley Cup with the Boston Bruins. He acquired... (laughs) <laughs> he acquired Tyler Sagan in a trade and traded Tyler Sagan. So it's like, whatever. Won the Stanley Cup with Boston and, you know, totally bleeped up the Edmonton Oilers, this and that. So crazy things can happen. Yeah, Doug Risebrow in the past who bleeped up the uh, Calgary Flames in the later stages or uh, trading away Doug Gilmore after having some success there. And, well... Look what he did with Minnesota. He couldn't even draft a first-rounder, much less anybody after the first round, with a few very rare exceptions. Like once in a blue moon, one draft pick would stick. How he lasted as long as he did, I have no idea. But with that said, we'll talk about the very short, tenuous (laughs) tribulation, a 14-month tribulation, with now former Minnesota Wild GM Paul Fenton, as that is the theme of today. Well, you saw, you noticed the title of the episode. It took me a long time to come up with something, but I guess, again, that's where it's a good idea to wait <laughs> to do the show, just to kind of gather information, build up an opinion, this and that, just to kind of really see, rather than just fly on the air, oh, Paul Fenton got fired. Wow, so what do we do now? Wow, he must, he, what horrible moves? That potato, 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 this, potato, potato, that. You got to get more detail, more information. But then you come up with just how much information, how many details it is. The quote by Michael Russo and Dan Barrero and ultimately in his bombshell article, death by a thousand cuts. So there was no big smoking gun. There was no massive thing. It was a million little things that got bigger and bigger and bigger and they just kept happening and they just kept happening. And it was one of those type of things when somebody keeps doing the wrong thing, they just don't get it no matter how many times they're corrected. We're talking seven to eight hour uh, performance, performance meetings with um, (laughs) Craig Leopold, and that wasn't enough. That wasn't enough of a sign that you're going to lose your job here, brother, unless you make some type of uh, tweaks to your strategies, your approach, the way you treat people. you got to change a little bit, and nothing's changed. So for me, it's like you want to ask the question, was it the whole situation with Botetto? Was it the way he was hiring, uh, handling Boudreaux? Was it the way he was handling the media, which is a big part of things, of course, which is a you know source to the fans? Regardless of what side of the polit- political spectrum you might be on. <laughs> uh, let's leave that alone. Um, no, it ends up being all the above and a million more things. Was it this, 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 this? Was it the fact he butchered the whole analytics team, just literally cut them apart and, and pushed them to the side and ignored every single warning they gave him about the Victor Rask trade and the idiotic decision-making when it came to 
Mikhail Granlin and Fiala, where it could have even been more. I'm jumping ahead, but because I'm too excited to get to all this. It's like there's so many things. I know I'm going to leave something out accidentally, but it is what it is. It was all the above, and that's the title of the episode. It was all the above because there's a million things, and it was everything. It wasn't one thing. It wasn't ten things. It was 100,000 things or a 1,000 cuts. There you go. It was all the above. I, I was going to use Michael Russo's quote and just put Eric or, and just put quotes around it, death by a thousand cuts, but it's like you got to come up with your own thing. Let the guy have his, his quote. Let the guy have it. It's his and he is the godfather of Minnesota Wild Media. Michael Russo, you are outstanding, and I know most of you listening know who that is and know he is outstanding. So shall we dive in? Shall we dive into the conversation of why Paul Fenton got fired and opinions on it, feelings? Just add to the feelings, the, 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 the whole deal, as we jump into the article here and there, bits and pieces. Again, he didn't build trusting relationships with his staff and, of course, former uh, former members that were like uh, still part of the Ch- Chuck Fletcher regime and even his own people. Every single time there was a small leak, just even a little leak, a little leak of any kind, he automatically blamed somebody in the group because he didn't even think about his, his, his world was just so small around him. That's the big problem that maybe it was the other side. Maybe you're talking to the Carolina Pant, uh, Carolina Hurricanes, pardon me, football on the mind. And, uh, Maybe they leaked something because Michael Russo knows people on both sides. People, you know, sources here and there. Michael Russo or some other hockey uh, beat writer out there leaks a story. It's automatically on our side, and he was threatening jobs. And it's the utter paranoia because maybe somebody's hurt. And oh my God, it's it's an ACL for Pete's sake. I think we can report it. It's you know, it's the guy's job to report it. It's the guy's job to report it if Mika Cuevo had an ACL. It is what it is. Uh, a pectoral injury. It is what it is. I mean, it has to come out. It, regardless if Paul Fenton's going to run around screaming and cursing at people for leaking the story. It's a bleep in pectoral, and he's not going to play anymore this year. Okay. I mean, what are they going to do? Come and punch the guy in the chest because he has a pectoral injury? I mean, that's kind of silly. Do you, you don't think hockey players know that a guy's hurt in a certain place? You don't think everybody on the planet knew that Zuccarillo, who was on the Stars at the time, broke his, broke his arm by, with a puck hitting it? You didn't see the puck hit his arm. You just got to say upper body injury. Is that ridiculous or is it ridiculous? So I understand you want to protect your players. I understand your old school, this and that, but that's a different kind of old school. It's it's not even old school. It's just paranoia and it's crazy and stupid. So that's the media side uh, with the whole reporting injuries, this and that. I mean, to have such paranoia. Again, it's not the kind of thing you automatically fire a general manager for. See, because that's one thing that isn't... You wouldn't fire a general manager just for that, would you? You wouldn't, because he's paranoid and weird. But but he's good at trades, right? He's good at... Uh, he, he's, he's really good at analyzing things, uh, analyzing ahead before he makes a trade. But instead, no. We're talking no scouts before the uh, <laughs> Victor Rask trade. No scouts. <laughs> Can you, I mean, I can't even fathom that. No scouts went ahead to look at Victor Rask before the trade was done. He left the analytics team behind when the uh, Minnesota Wild uh, front office went for a retreat in Florida, which is where Paul Fenton was like every day by himself, uh, Florida, Boston, this and that, constantly leaving for weeks at a time, which confused a lot of people. But there was a retreat for the whole front office to Florida. Oh, but the analytics team, yeah, you're not invited. You can just stay behind. We, we, just, just stay where you are. Just get, no, uh-uh even though they were some of the two, two of the most respected analytics uh, 
staff members in the NHL. <laughs> Just, no, no, screw that. And didn't even acknowledge, didn't even attempt, didn't even attempt to listen to anybody's uh, <laughs> dissenting opinions on acquiring Victor Rask, despite the fact that Nino Niederreiter's uh, st- uh, current place on the team was on the fourth line, which is obviously miscast, not only on the fourth line, but on the right side. And that is both administration's fault there because it takes two wings to fly, like I said in the last episode, and it's like left, 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 kind of like Minnesota politics, left, left, left. It takes two wings to fly. You got to have both. I'm sorry, some of you that might not like it, you got to have both. <laughs> and just like in the hockey world, well, duh, you can't just be shooting the puck left from everybody. Oh, oh, but he can play on the right side. He's comfortable. No, he's a bleeping left wing. Put him where he belongs. Certain times, in certain situations, maybe, okay? You can make adjustments. You can be flexible. But like half the effing team, I mean, it's ridiculous. Half the effing team has to adjust? It doesn't make any sense. It makes no sense. And again, that's Chuck Fletcher and Mr. Paul Fenton which, again, I was laughing at the draft because you got four players taken from Boston College, and basically everybody except one guy was a left shot, which is, like, hilarious. Not that we have to worry about that at the moment, but isn't that the way everybody is? Oh, we'll worry about that next, uh, later when nothing gets fixed. It just doesn't. Kind of like the parking situation where I worked for the last three years until finally. Ugh. Sorry for going to that one. Um, but, no, I mean, we're, it's like two guys in the... Uh, Two out of 12 basically were right shots, and they both were, I mean, in Eric Fair's case, he's generally a center. Cunning, well, I mean, there were times he had to play center because Koivu got hurt, so what do you do there? I mean, you had nobody that could shoot this position. You trade Granlin for Kevin Fiala, where your old boss there in in, uh, Nashville was basically mind bleeping uh, Fenton the whole time, like, okay, you know, uh, I love Fiala, you know, I don't think, I don't know if I want to trade him or not. And Fenton, apparently, according to multiple sources, well, sources, it was less sources on this one, uh, so Russo says, less sources on this story that wasn't written in the uh, article. This was on the uh, Brandon Molesky show here, which is common man, but Molesky replacing him for the day because he's out. Uh, It was that Paul Fenton was actually willing to give up more than Granlin for Fiala. What? And basically everybody else in the organization was like, why? <laughs> why? Granlin is a 70-point player. Fiala is unproven, and, well, he's had a broken femur recently. Broken femurs don't really... They don't really fare well for a guy's uh, career, for a guy's future all the time. Hopefully it works out for Kevin Fiala, but he's been awfully skittish since that injury about two years ago now. And left side. And it's like, if you were going to trade Zucker, that would be the guy maybe you'd trade for. A guy who's also fast and skilled, blah, 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 blah. But younger and cheaper. That might have made sense. Granlin, you could get more for him than Fiala. I'm sorry, Granlin's better than Zucker, by the way. Those of you that are in love with Zucker, I like him. But again, you probably could have gotten Fiala and a draft pick for Zucker. Whereas uh, in Paul Fenton's case, he wanted to (laughs) trade Granlin and possibly cash and, and, you know, it's just insane. And he didn't even understand the rules that uh, when you're basically going to help with the salary, that type of, you know, those type of trades, those cash type of trades, that the salary has to be equaled out over a number of years. So you're stuck with it and, and it hurts your cap space. And apparently Fenton wasn't even aware of that. And that's really weird. A general manager of an NHL team 
who's been in an organization since 1998, National Predators, that's 21 years ago. And he didn't understand, he didn't know that. So, interesting. That's really weird. Um, but, well, okay. So, at least it was Grandland for Fiala, and we didn't have all that extra crap. It was just a straight-up trade. It was a hockey trade. It was genius. He, he fleeced his old boss there. Oh, because Grandland just sucks. And Fiala is the next Mario Lemieux. He is. Well, his stick handling is smooth. It's, it's beautiful. There's a flash to the guy. But he barely did anything out there. And he's skittish as a little cat. You know, I mean, he's, he's like a little kitty out there on the ice so far. He's, he's so skittish. And I, I don't know. I don't know, man. And it's like, where do you go with all this? There's so many things in this Fenton situation that this might sound unorganized and a mess. But, well, there's too many things to talk about. There's no way to make it organized. There's, it's impossible because there's a quadrillion things. Uh, a lot of other interesting red flags that came up when a lot of us were thinking, hmm, that made, a, that made our antennas go up was the fact that when you hear Michael Russo say, uh, saying that Leopold's antenna's up and that mysteriously, why would this happen? He was sitting right next to Paul Fenton during the draft the entire time. That's kind of weird, particularly on the first day. <clears throat> Because he wanted to really be involved here because uh, he, he wanted to make sure that people were being listened to, this and that. Interesting situation there. And it's like, now you see why <laughs> Leopold made the move so quickly because enough was enough. This is a BS. And Leopold was probably going to fire him earlier. He was thinking about it and he's like, he just, just, he just kept going back and forth. Hopefully he's going to listen. Hopefully he's going to improve. And it just didn't happen. Uh, David Poyle, by the way, was that general manager of the National Predators that <laughs> probably has fleeced uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Paul Fenton. But we'll see. Fiala still has a chance. And, of course, Grantland so far didn't do jack squad in Nashville either, which is kind of surprising. But uh, sometimes if things don't fit whatsoever. <clears throat> so, interesting antenna right there. That, those were the early signs that this really could end very quickly. Uh, obviously, the uh, end-season press conference was ridiculous. It was horrible. Uh, it's one thing when a coach and GM, you know, they're they're serious, they're professional, you know, and they might not be all smiley and eye eye contact the whole time. But when there was absolutely no eye contact between uh, Fenton and Bruce Boudreau, that was a red flag. And I think everybody knew these guys weren't on the same page the entire time. It, it's obvious. <clears throat> especially with all the effing trades that took place during the season that didn't make a whole lot of sense. Some kind of did. The coil for Donato one kind of makes sense, <clears throat> but you probably could have gotten more. Um, so that's the one that's still frustrating. You probably still could have gotten more, but it's okay, I guess, that type of trade. It's just okay. <clears throat> but the other moves, like getting Victor Rask, and when uh, Bruce Boudreau put Victor Rask in the shootout and he looked like a fool, and then... Bruce Boudreaux, after the game, said, there's a reason I put Victor Rask out there. Partially, you're, you're thinking, okay, he's sending a message to the other guys. Like, he's, you know, you guys aren't playing well, so I'm going to put this guy out there. But I think there was a little bit darker message mixed into all that. I do think he was annoyed with some of the players on the team not playing well at the time, but I think there was a little more Meva message there. Well, you traded for this clown. Here he is. Let's see what he's got. Oh, he missed. What a surprise. How quaint. How quaint. He didn't even, he didn't even, he looked like an absolute fool out there. He looked like, yeah, he just looked bad. That's all. Um, <laughs> it just kind of left you thinking, yeah, I think he is sending a message. And 
I wouldn't be surprised if at that moment, that may have been one of the times when Paul Fenton went to uh, Leopold about firing Boudreaux. I wouldn't be surprised if that happened that night, actually. That's just my guess. Me, personally, Joey O'Wide, and the host of Brave the Wild. That uh, that was one of those occasions. And Leopold, luckily for Boudreaux, and for a lot of us that are Boudreaux fans, myself included, uh, Leopold quickly said, no, I'm no, I'm no, you can't. I mean, it's, it's just not the time to fire the coach here. It's, it's not time. So it's like you're more at fault than he is at this case, at <laughs> this stage. So early, early indications there as well. What a mess. What an absolute mess. Uh, it's like, again, where do you go? I mean, Victor has three points in 21 games, two goals and one assist. Oh, boy. I think one of his goals is off someone's skate, if I remember correctly, which is insane. Oh, boy. I'm, I'm exhausted. I'm already tired. Can you believe that? It's crazy. Um, his treatment of Brent Flair wasn't good. He basically put him down to, like, the bottom. He basically turned him into a scout. Brent Flair, VP of Hockey Operations, was basically relegated to scout status. But, oh, he better be up there, though, when uh, the Wild drafted the young man, Philip Johansson. He's up there. You could see there's no smile on the guy's face. Uh, Pen- Paul, Paul Fenton had a nice smile ear to ear. And then uh, Brent Flair was just like, yeah, okay, I'm here for now. That type of look. And off he went to go join uh, Fletcher and Philly which that'll lead to a Ron Hextall conversation later. <laughs> what a weird situation, though. I mean, the craziest part about the whole front office situation, it's not just that he removed people, and it's like, okay, sometimes you want your own guys who support your vision, but the fact that just about everybody in the organization was like, what is the vision? Are we winning now? Are we winning later? Are we just are we just creating cap space? There is no true vision here. It looked like maybe we're clearing up space and getting younger, and then you re-sign uh, Mr. Stahl, which wasn't the worst contract ever, but it was a no-move. You then bring in Matt Zuccarillo for about six mil a year with a no-move for five bleeping years, and he's 32 years old, or turning 32. So, again, you're freeing up cap space to sign an older guy. You're freeing up cap space to get younger to sign an older guy. Okay, so again, I don't know, man. Uh, the ultimate one, though, I think for me personally, which raised my antenna, as you always wanna, you always wanna come in with a positive vibe. You always wanna go to take the high road and wish the best. You always wanna wish the best as a fan and as somebody covering the team in in a podcasting mode. I guess is what you could say. What I'm doing, kind of like a, a, a audio blog or whatever. I, I'd rather call it podcast. I don't even like the word blog. It sounds like you're just doing it for the hell of it, which I think, uh, I don't know, I'm I'm doing it because I love it more than just for the hell of it. <laughs> um, and I'd like it to be a career someday. Uh, the drafting of Matthew Boldy was good. That's good. Cool. I, I, the draft seemed cool, but then it got weird with the everybody's from Boston College, which is really strange. Uh, five players from Boston College in two years, four of them this year. Four players are in Boston College this year. I've never heard of that before. I've never seen that happen. And it's very suspicious when you see a guy hails from Boston, Massachusetts. Your your general manager hails from Boston, Massachusetts, taking guys from, you know, Boston, this, Boston, that. It was literally, I mean, what is this, Gyromite? Uh, Or, I mean, excuse me, Rob the Robot, where it's either Gyromite or Stack Up for the old NES. So Gyromite would be Boston and Stack Up would be Nashville. Stack Up. (laughs) <laughs> it could only play those two games 
that robbed the robot for the NES many, many years ago was invented for only two games. And it's like, it only plays two, it, it only works with two games. And it's like, Rob the robot is Paul Fenton. I mean, Boston, Nashville. Okay, okay, okay. Let's 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 change it up here. Boston. Okay, no, no. I mean something else. Nashville. Oh my God. So it was either a natural predator or some tie to the natural predators. He got drafted by the predators and wound up somewhere else or something like that. Or he took a cup of coffee with the predators. Fenton wants him, basically one way or another. Unless he flat out hated the guy, which is almost never. Or he has some ties to Boston, this Boston, that. It's the strangest, most doggone thing I've ever seen in my life. I've never seen anything. You know, I mean, Tom Thibodeau was really bad like that with the Chicago Bulls, where people thought he was the Timber Bulls, basically. It's the Timber Bulls, not the Timberwolves anymore. It's the Timber Bulls. Tom Thibodeau, the former Bulls coach who, yeah, you know, was the Paul Fenton of the Timberwolves the last three years. He lasted three and a half years. Yeah, he was the Paul Fenton of that organization. Hmm. But no, I mean, that was where things got really strange. Really strange, among a nine, 9 million other things. Um, the Spurgeon situation, you don't get ahead of the contract situation. He's a free agent at the end of the season. Why in the flying bleep you don't, like, get on with that one? And they didn't, And uh, excuse me, Paul Fenton didn't, and he saw no reason to do that. Uh, and then now you got Truba signing for a massive contract, about $8 million for seven years. $8 million per for seven years. Truba's not as good as Spurgeon, and he's getting a lot more than Spurgeon right now, about just under 5.2 in his final year with the Minnesota Wild at this stage. So you could have maybe got Spurgeon for six and a half, maybe seven, something like that for like four or five years. Now you're probably looking at eight plus, and he's so disenfranchised with your franchise, pardon the pun there, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that he's asking the general manager, I want to hear your vision first before I really get serious about signing a long-term deal with you guys. Wow. <laughs> Jared Spurgeon, that's a pretty pointed comment. As as kind of subtle as it might seem, that's extremely pointed. And it just makes you wonder. And again, that's why Phil Kessel didn't want to come here. He didn't see any vision of winning here. He had no, he had no desire to come. And at the draft, Michael Russo said, he had countless people coming up to him asking, what is going on in Minnesota? What is going on with Paul Fenton? They're just all the million different weird uh, flames that were popping up here and their little fires that had to be put out. Again, like him not being around for X amount of time. He was like in Florida. He was in Boston. He's in Florida or Cape Cod, which is the Boston blah, blah, blah area. Florida, Cape Cod, Florida, Cape Cod. And people were like, why isn't he even here? Like right in March when it's a crucial point of the season, you're trying to make the penalty and he's gone for three weeks. That don't make sense, Joe. That don't make sense, Joe. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Even the Greg Pattern signing, 2.25 for Greg Bleepin Pattern, who's like, you know, single-digit points, physical, mediocre defense, low IQ, (laughs) 2.25. I'd rather have Nick Steeler any day, any day, at the same salary, and we're paying him 7.25, which probably is all Pattern should be getting. You know, Steeler's not a great player, but he's very valuable. And his IQ is higher than Greg Pattern's. And I think he provides more than Greg Pattern. I think he does. And he's three years younger. Brad Hunt provides more than Greg Pattern. He's just small. But, I I mean, I love Brad Hunt. Everybody loves him. Thank God. That was pure luck that we got him. Pure luck. But that's the other thing again. Now we get to go to the... uh, 
the creme de la creme here of the whole strange moves, I think, during the season, as awful and weird as the Victor Ask trade was, as weird as the situation was with Fiala and Granlin. And, of course, Donato and Quayle, okay, that's the good one, kind of. Now we get to the weirdest of all. You sign Brad Hunt, good move, I think. You know, it's like take a flyer on the guy. Every, everybody loves him everywhere he goes. He's the coolest dude ever, including uh, up in Bemidji State. I had people on Twitter talking to me, of all, talking to me of all people, which is really a nice comment, uh, compliment to me, about Brad Hunt. What an awesome guy he was up there. You know, they knew him and they loved him. Just a, just a, you know, one of those magnets in the room. Everybody loves Brad Hunt. You know, and thank God when you lose Prosser ultimately because of more poor moves, which is what this is like a big giant spider web of moves because of an acquisition you made right after you got Brad Hunt from the Vegas Golden Knights. The National Predators put a certain guy on, on waivers, a guy that's, whose name rhymes with Geppetto, a guy from New York, one of the coolest dudes. People actually liked him in the locker room as well. Cool dude, but his hockey IQ sucks. His hockey IQ sucks. His skills are below average. His defense isn't even that good. That's maybe his best trait, and it's, well, he, it better be. He's a freaking defenseman, and he wasn't that good at that either. You claim him off waivers, right as Nick Steeler literally just was bloodletting on the ice, playing his ass off, blocking shots against the Buffalo Sabres, helping the Wild win and keeping them looking closer to making the postseason. Ninth, heck, heck, we were ninth in the NHL, not ninth in the West, and ninth in the NHL. The guy's bloodletting out there is uh, Nick Steeler. So you bring in a guy in Anthony Botetto. Again, God bless him. A better guy than, you know, than what the, the, the ripping he's deserved in the, uh, by all of us, including myself, because he's, he just can't play. I mean, you can be the greatest guy ever, but you can't play. He's brought in, and basically Fenton, in his own way, somehow, someway demands Boudreaux puts Botetto in the lineup, which then you bury Brad Hunt, basically, or you you put him on the right side, which is okay, even though he's a left shot, he can kind of do it, or at times, other, otherwise, Brad Hunt is basically buried, and he's invisible forever, after a couple of good games, right when he started, you bring in Botato, so yeah, Brad Hunt, go back and sit down, oh, and you, Nick Steeler as well, now you have eight defensemen, by the way, so both Brad Hunt and Steeler, two major positives, get sat down, uh, Prosser's forced all the way. Prosser's forced, forced to the AHL along with JT Brown. I'm not sad about JT Brown getting down, but I was annoyed with uh, Prosser getting sent down a, a little bit. I think well, the team was more annoyed than, than anybody else. But I suppose Brad Hunt can help replace him a bit. But again, Botetto, the poor hockey IQ, the weak defense, and zero offense whatsoever. He never scored a point. Never scored a point in the amount of time he was out there. And at times, it was remarkable how much time he was out there. Steelers completely mind-bleeped after this, and he was never the same the rest of the season because he's like, I've earned this position, and now you're playing this guy who's probably half as good as me. And again, low IQ. It just mind-bleeped everything. And then you had Cunning and... Cunning and Eck, who'd been playing very well for the Wild after some good uh, time in the AHL, send down when Cunning needed to get uh, needed to get healed up a bit during the break. Instead of being able to rest and well, have you know, he he had to cancel his plans along with Eck during the break, the All Star break, and they're forced to play in the AHL, and they're stuck down there because there's too many players on the roster and that you can't move. You you can't move them. They're stuck and you're screwed. And Potato's forced into the lineup. And again, 
poor hockey IQ. He caused us a game or two, or at least he sent things in motion to cause a game or two. God bless him, but it's what happened, and it just led one one thing to the next. And to me, that was the creme de la creme of all the weird, crazy, stupid moves of the year. All for a guy you had to, you just had to claim him off waivers. You know what I would have done with Anthony Botetto if I was Paul Fenton? It's You claim him and send him to the AHL. That's what you do. That's what you do. Send him to the AHL. And if he's okay, okay, so be it. But if he's such a good locker room guy, he's perfect for the AHL. Why force him into the lineup and mess everything up? That's the guy you should have just sent to the AHL. But nope, you just had to force him into the National Hockey League lineup and completely F everything up. Uh, the other move, Pontus Aberg, Justin Kloos. Well, Kloos was a good soldier in the AHL. He was doing a great job, and people were saying he was going to have a hard time making the NHL because he's a scorer type, but there's just no job for him with the Wild right now. There's just no opening, so to speak. So you trade him away, which is okay, whatever, but for Pontus Aberg, who, well, he was the second-leading goal scorer in Anaheim, but poor hockey IQ again for the 99th time now. And lazy, very lazy. Every single optional skate, he'd opt out. It's like if there's an option to not come, he won't come. And wow, crazy. Pontus Aberg fell out of favor pretty quickly, and luckily he's gone now, thank God, as he was eligible for arbitration, and uh, that was declined, thankfully. <laughs> oh, boy. Mm. Mm. Uh, Ryan Murphy and Kapla, whatever. One, a- one AHL for another AHL. I kind of like Kapla. That was not too bad. I'm uh, getting a seventh round pick for Matt Hendricks. Not the dumbest move I've ever seen. No, not at all. Uh, so not everything he did was the worst thing I've ever seen. Uh, Gordiev, I have no idea what to say with that. That's, you know, he's been in the AHL so far. Gordiev, big uh, physical stay-at-home type defenseman for a seventh rounder to the to Maple Leafs. So I'm not sure where to go with that one <clears throat> at the moment. Um, it's a very odd situation. Uh, one thing that I will say in favor of Paul Fenton that I think was a good thing. I, there was one thing that he did that I really liked, really liked, that Chuck Fletcher seemed to ignore forever. What do you think it was? And what do I always seem to talk about in the later stages of the show? I talk about the AHL and the prospects and this and that, right? It seemed like Fletcher would always kind of ignore it, kind of, sort of, and guys that were, you know, ready to go pro just went straight to the NHL right away where Paul Fenton's approach was let them develop in the AHL for a couple months or maybe a whole season, this and that. The only guys that ever seemed to get sent to the AHL were guys that, oh, you know, he wasn't cracking it at all in the NHL. Like, he had to be in the AHL because he he didn't have a chance. Where guys like Eric Zanek, who maybe, you know, they could play in the NHL, but not at a high level. You send him down to the AHL and he's a point-to-game guy. His confidence comes up, he comes back to the NHL, and he's maybe a half-point-to-game guy. That's a big difference. That's a big improvement from like a guy maybe a point every twenty games, this and that, which is where Eric Zanek was for the longest time. So that I appreciated, along with uh, Luke Cunning building some confidence and of course healing up from that ACL injury. God bless, God, God bless him there. So that I did appreciate how both Cunning and Eck spent a significant time in the AHL. Now, after they had improved and were sent down, that's where the annoyance came in, major annoyance in my point of view, and I understand that it was a roster. It was a bleeped-up roster, and that whole potato situation caused a tornado. Man, it was like a Tasmanian devil type of situation there. Um, so that's where it kind of left you hanging and wondering what the hell is the vision of this team, and there really wasn't any. The bottom line, there really wasn't any. Like, what was the number one 
reason Paul Fender was fired, all the above. That's what it was. Death by a thousand cuts and all the above. This and that. So Michael Russo, death by a thousand cuts. Paladino Joey, all the above. That's basically the title of everything here. Basically the title of the Paul Fenton uh, general manager regime the last 14 months. With that said, again, <clears throat> the AHL, I liked what uh, how he was handling that. I hope the next GM is closer to that vision, so to speak. Guys developing in the AHL. That's the only hint of a vision you may have had is guys developing in the AHL. The other good news is Pontus Aberg is long gone, and I don't know where he is now. But I do know where uh, Anthony Batetowicz. He has signed a contract with the Winnipeg Jets organization. I'm guessing he will wind up with the AHL team more than likely. But Or maybe he'll get a cup of coffee here and there. A call up here and there when need be injuries. Or maybe he's doing a really good job in the AHL and they want to give him a chance. This and that. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just That's a nervous chuckle there if you could kind of tell. <laughs> Potato doing a good job and give him a chance. Oh, God bless you, Potato. I've heard a lot of good things about you as a person, but as a player, I saw not good things. It wasn't good. It wasn't good in the NHL. Um, but, uh, no, I do hope the new general manager, whether it's Tom Fitzgerald, Bill Guerin, or uh, others that I'm going to talk about here in a moment, will have... We'll, we'll, be, we'll be closer to the AHL side of things than absolutely no AHL hardly at all, except a guy that's, oh, he's not anywhere near the NHL. So AHL or bust for him, this and that, which is what the situation was with Fletcher for the longest time. And, of course, trading away third-round picks for guys that are fourth-line players and, you know, seventh defensemen, that type of bullshit. So part of my French. <laughs> So let's get to the list and let's screw around here. Who is going to be the new general manager of the Minnesota Wild? And again, I apologize if I left anything out. There's a huge chance I did. And if I, it comes to me as before I'm moving on here, we'll get to that in a moment. There are so many. Oh, my God. It's just I just want to keep moving around thinking about things, this and that. I did talk about the whole AHL situation. Again, remember when uh, Anderson was let go and brought uh, uh, Fenton brought in Dean Evison, who a lot of people thought was going to you know, unseat Boudreaux in a year or so. Well, we don't. He doesn't have to worry about that at the moment. But uh, Anderson, yeah, that was that was sad what they did to him. Uh, he, he did a pretty good job in his two years with Minnesota. So I, I don't know. I think he did a pretty good job with that power play. A lot better than the, the Mike Yo era, I'd have to say. Um. So again, the list of names, this and that. You got the uh, you got your Ron Hextall. I'm going to mention him first. I'm going to talk about him now, right now, here and now. Ron Hextall. Well. They're saying he has a lot of the same kind of paranoia, close to the vest bullcrap that uh, Paul Fenton had. Um, kind of gruff, kind of tough, this and that. Not the dumbest general manager ever, but not the best either. I, I would say he's extremely conservative. There are very few trades made, which isn't always a bad thing, but sometimes it is a bad thing. Uh, he was there about about four and a half years with the Philadelphia Flyers, and he was pretty pretty conservative, I'd have to say. Uh, Chris Pronger, yeah, boy, he was still playing in 2015. Oof, he was moved away. Uh, Philadelphia Flyers acquired Sam Gagne. Not the worst tr trade ever. That was during that time. Uh, Vincent Colacavier, who was completely past his prime. Moves like that. Uh, but nothing really stands out like, wow, what a genius move, this and that. Uh, Philip Pula wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad of an acquisition, I'd have to say. Uh, but he was only there for like uh, a year, and he didn't do that well either. Um, he did better with the Tampa, Tampa Bay and Detroit in the past. He was already, again, another guy who was a bit past his prime. 
Uh, one that bugs me a little bit, Braden Shen, you know, traded away. Obviously, major success with uh, St. Louis and a Stanley Cup title for him. Good for him in a huge way. Uh, this guy named Yori Laterra didn't do anything, basically. He was decent with St. Louis, kind of third line-ish type of guy. Comes to Philadelphia in single-digit points. Absolutely pathetic. But a couple of uh, first-round picks, though, to go with Braden Shen. So that's the good part, at least, in that type of thing. Um, Ron Hextall would not be my choice. There's a reason why he got fired and replaced by Chuck Fletcher. I mean, he's he, he wasn't that good. And, of course, again, I mean, the, what condition was Philadelphia in when Ron Hextall was, was removed from uh, office, so to speak, relieved of his duties? Were they in good shape, or was it like, ooh, scorched earth? Was it a scorched earth situation? I think it was scorched earth. They had, like, zero goaltenders, basically. Uh, just a complete disaster. And what is Mr... Uh, what was uh, what was Ron Hextall? A goalie, and they had no goalie. It didn't make any sense. So I don't know what to tell you about that. Um, I don't think I want Ron Hextall. I don't think I want Ron Hextall. I think you're getting more of the same at the end of the day. Uh, Peter Shirelli, major success with Boston. Again, he acquired, he did acquire to his credit, <laughs> as you want to talk about him trading away Tyler Sagan, he acquired Tyler Sagan in a trade earlier to the Boston Bruins. So give him some credit there. He acquired Tyler Sagan. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And then he traded him to the Dallas Stars. So, okay, years later, before he was uh, ultimately let go in 2015, he took over the Boston Bruins in 2006. Boston, very successful during that time. And, of course, Milan Lucic, for the longest time, he was obsessed with that guy, just married to him. And then the new GM traded him away, right, away to the Kings and ultimately wound up with... Edmonton because Peter Shirelli just had to have him and sign him to a very long contract. Um, but Shirelli made some decent moves. He acquired Dougie Hamilton as well during the course of time. Decent player. I do believe he uh, he orchestrated the uh, Phillips and Jared Knight trade. Zach Phillips and Jared Knight with the Minnesota Wild. Two nothing players that were first round picks or early second round in Jared Knight's case. One up in Minnesota. It was a whole lot of crap. Um, the trade that really hurts you really, though, yeah, Tyler Sagan and Rich Beverly and Ryan Button, but really Tyler Sagan, let's leave Ryan Button out of it, for Louis Erickson, who is just an okay player, I mean, you know, he had his success, he had his runs here and there, but he was not as good as Tyler Sagan, man, I mean, what are you doing here, that's ridiculous, Joe Morrow, Riley Smith, and Matt Frazier, bad trade, and that ended up ultimately leading in the wrong direction in time, uh, what a mess, man. What an absolute mess. Uh, Yaromir Yager, that was an interesting move. Uh, it was cool, cool having him on there. They went back to the Stanley Cup final again. That was, again, during Peter Shirelli's reign. So two Stanley Cup finals, uh, one championship, one loss to the Blackhawks in uh, Yaromir Yager's year. They lost in six games, and they won in seven versus the uh, Vancouver Canucks. Another trade with Minnesota in Shirelli's case. Uh, Stephen Kampfer, I thought the Wild got the better player there, but uh, maybe Boston did. Greg Zanin. Camper wound up with Boston again not too long after that. Um, he even had Benoit Puglia move to the Tampa Bay Lightning in 2012, did Shirelli. Uh, Anton Kudobin, another one who wound up getting a Stanley Cup with uh, Boston, coming from Minnesota for guys named Jeff Penner and Miko Lettinen, who never suited up for the Wild that I remember. I don't think they did. So eh, some, some notable moves here and there. Interesting, but... You know, he had, he's kind of an all-or-nothing general manager. He's either making really good moves and leading his team to the right place, or he's the worst ever and his team's in last place. I want to win a Stanley Cup, but I don't want to be at the doldrums and making stupid trades like uh, Adam Hall and such. Adam Hall for uh, 
for uh, Larson. That was ridiculous. I almost said Johan Larson, but that was a Minnesota Wild player that was traded. Um, bad move, man. I mean, that was a bad move with Edmonton just recently, along with many others. Uh, Adam Hall, though, for Larson, a mediocre, slightly above average stay-at-home defenseman for Adam Hall, who's like a franchise scorer. Oh, boy. That one hurts. Um, getting rid of Neil Yakupov is one thing, but you drafted Nail. Nail, not Neil. Nail, not Yakupov. You drafted him. So that's on you, Shirelli, again, as far as I'm concerned. Neil Yakupov, number one overall. Oh, no, he didn't. He didn't draft him. Pardon me. My my bad. That was the previous general manager. That was that was a long time ago, 2012. So at least he got rid of him and wound up with a third-round pick for him. So, okay. Okay. My bad. I apologize. Uh, Justin Fontaine, former wild player, was traded at one point. But yeah, the Adam Hall trade is something that's really a blemish on the guy's record. That was a that was a bad one. Oof, that was a bad bad one. Taylor Hall for uh, Adam Larson. Yep, Taylor Hall for uh, Adam Larson. I hope I didn't say Adam Hall. I might have because I got the two uh, mixed together there. Adam Larson, Taylor Hall. Yes, Taylor Hall, a franchise winger who can score up the yin yang for a mediocre defenseman. Adam Larson is basically like he's like a glorified Nick Schultz for. Somebody the Wild have never had, we'll say. So, the Wild have never had an Adam Hall. As good as Gabrick was in his best days, they never had an Adam Hall. I mean, a 93-point guy? How many times did Marion Gabrick score 93 points? Never. He eclipsed the 80 mark twice, one with Minnesota, one with the New York uh, Rangers. So, I don't know. Adam uh, Taylor Hall, I just called him Adam Hall again. Taylor Hall took a little while to get better, but he got better, and he really got better with the New Jersey Devils after he left the uh, Oilers organization with Peter Shirelli in charge. I don't think I want either of the guys, but it's not the worst thing ever to at least talk to a man who won a Stanley Cup as a general manager. So I'm not against that. Uh, the guy who finished second place, Tom Fitzgerald, I think he deserves a very strong look, and I hope Minnesota does get permission to, to talk to him and uh, does talk to him. <clears throat> Tom Fitzgerald, absolutely, former player, this and that, and he's, he's got the he's got a lot of positive energy, this and that. I think he would jumpstart the organization and move things in a better direction. I can imagine him being much more pro-analytics and all that and uh, get this team moving forward rather than backward, which is what Paul Fenton did. Um, the former Los Angeles Kings president and general manager, Stanley Cup, multiple Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings, and, and a guy that uh, was endorsed by Lou Nanny as the next GM of the Wild, but he believes the Wild won't even get him. They won't even try, basically, this and that, or he won't listen. Uh, he was a candidate years ago to come to Minnesota as well, Dean Lombardi, uh, and I would totally be on board with that. Fitzgerald and Lombardi are two guys I would strongly support uh, <clears throat> in a big way. Dean Lombardi up multiple Stanley Cups with the Los Angeles Kings. He put together one heck of a juggernaut there, uh, one good player after another, the Kopitars and this and that. I mean, you could just go on and on with all the wonderful players and smart players as well, acquiring Justin Williams along the way, helping them uh, lead themselves and the, uh, helping lead the locker room, this and that. Then you had guys like uh, <clears throat> former Minnesota Wild stalwart defenseman Willie Mitchell. Man, that guy was an integral piece to multiple Stanley Cups with uh, Los Angeles Kings as well. I would love Dean Lombardi. Would he have the same success rate here? I don't know, but uh, we have to hope. <laughs> former Toronto GM and longtime NHL executive Dave Nunnis. That's another possibility out there. Uh, you know, he's had his moments. I'm not sure. Uh, Columbus Blue Jackets executive Bill Zito, that's a name. I mean, I like the way Columbus has put things together the last couple of years. Uh, unfortunately, they lost some valuable players, though. 
this past year. Bobrovsky, uh, too big of a contract with Florida, so I don't think they're too down about that. And, of course, Panarin off to the New York Rangers. So that kind of is what it is. But <clears throat> I, liked what's, uh, I like what the Blue Jackets have done the last five years or so. I think they did a wonderful job, to be quite honest, <clears throat> and including the hiring of a guy who was a little bit short-tempered with everybody for the last, like, decade or so. But uh, <laughs> that's that to- Tortorella there. Oh, John Tortorella. Whew, that guy could curse with the best of them. But, uh, no, they did a hell of a job. I'm very impressed with what the Blue Jackets accomplished the past couple of years. Big time. Atkins and all those players. Um, Bill Guerin, of course, works for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I believe he's assistant GM, this and that. Wouldn't be a bad addition, but for me, Tom Fitzgerald or Lombardi are my top two choices. The other major, major one, though, and I mean major, this could be super lucky, like when the Anaheim Ducks suddenly fired Boudreaux just all out of nowhere because, you know, they had a poor start to the season. Then they got really good and still won the division and then lost in the first round. And then they fired Boudreaux. And I'm like, get him, get him, get him. And the Wild got Boudreaux. And I was just, oh, my God, I was so excited. Well, Waddell, Mr. Waddell there, general manager of a certain team that jumped up hugely this year because of all the wonderful additions they made the last couple of years, the Carolina Hurricanes. Waddell, the general manager of the Carolina Hurricanes, get him! He's a free agent. His contract is up. He's a free agent. Anybody can talk to him right now because he's nobody's property, even though he's still working for Carolina, but he's not under contract. Get him! Get him! <laughs> That's That would be really exciting if the Wild could get him. Those are my big top three, and I think Waddell's my choice at the end of the day for what an amazing job he's done. You can get, you know, I mean, Chuck Fletcher missed on Ajo. He missed on this guy. He missed on that guy. Carolina made some unbelievable moves. I loved what they did the last couple of years. It took a little while, but then whammo. I mean, they did a hell of a job and got to the East Finals. Unfortunately, ran into a buzzsaw called the Boston Bruins. But um, Waddell, Dean Lombardi, or Tom Fitzgerald, I would be very happy if it's one of those three. Not so happy if it's any of the others. And if it's Ron Hextel, I think I'd be quite disappointed. I think you're bringing in uh, uh, an improvement over Fenton, but that's it. That's all. He's just a little better. Like, he might make sense... His moves are a little bit more savvy. He's a little more intelligent, so to speak. And he's done it before, which doesn't always mean anything. If you did it, that's one thing. But if you sucked at doing it, well, what good is that? It's experience, (laughs) but you sucked at it. So that would be my fear. I don't think Hextall sucked necessarily, but I, I don't like the way Philadelphia, I don't like the shape that team was in when he was let go. Again, I mean, Chuck Fletcher was just GM of the Philadelphia flyers right now for a reason because Ron Hextall was canned and he was canned for a reason again I just keep saying it so I don't want Ron Hextall I look at the Edmonton Oilers I mean look at the Edmonton Oilers I don't want Peter Shirelli either even though he accomplished certain things in the past that doesn't mean he's going to accomplish them now I don't know I mean in Boston do you hear that little you hear my fingers rubbing there's a little bit more money in Boston okay there's a little bit more going on over there I don't know but, I mean, the salary cap is the salary cap, but still. there's It's a more exciting place, I think, for certain people, though there's more pressure for certain people as well. Minnesota is a very attractive place to play hockey, though I shouldn't go there. This isn't the NBA, so I better shut up that, on that one. Minnesota is a lot more attractive than, like, say, the Minnesota Timberwolves are in the NBA. It's a much more attractive place for free agents. But still, Boston just went to the Stanley Cup Finals again, and they've been in the mix forever. That's why certain guys might want to go there. That's why, and Minnesota has struggled for a while. So we're a little bit less attractive at the moment for potential free agents, this and that. So we need some damn good general managing the next 
three to four years here to get things really going in the right direction again. Hopefully sooner than later. And of course, certain guys uh, being able to do their job in a, in a proper way without basically having their tongue cut out or their fingers cut off or whatever the hell it is, which what Paul Fenton was doing the last 14 months. And of course, Fletcher, I don't think, did a good job uh, building the AHL and uh, utilizing the AHL because it has a very strong value. Guys learn a lot of the core values of, of, of professional hockey down in the AHL, and I think that was the one thing Paul Fenton was pretty good at at the end of the day. <clears throat> so I'll kind of sort of wrap the show with that. I'll look again. I'm going to look at the Facebook page really quick. I don't think there's there's nothing on Twitter, unfortunately, other than retweets. I want to thank uh, I want to thank Vince Germano who retweets the show. Thank you very much at Vinrock44 at Vinrock44. Thank you so much for retweeting the show out of Australia of all places, again, which is uh, you know. And then you had uh, Benny Allen. I'm just saying because there's not a whole lot of hockey fans in Australia, but there are some. And Benny Allen's also an Australian. He's a great guy as well. Vinrock Vince Germano, more of a hoops guy, but he's supportive and he loves. Uh, he loves following my shows, and I love following his shows as well. The Courtside Podcast, if you like basketball out there, hockey fans, hockey fans that like sports, like all sports, you want to talk about some basketball as well, which I encourage. I don't see any reason not to. Keep wanting to get to the Facebook page. At Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild is the Twitter. The Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash Brave the Wild dot Minnesota, or just look up Brave the Wild slash Minnesota Wild Show, or Dash, or whatever. Um, I believe I had a comment from Michael Holzer, an old, old friend in this town here in the Twin Cities, after I had announced the firing of Paul Fenton. Well, I didn't announce it. I passed on the information. Lots of likes and such. There were a couple comments here. And it's taking three hours to load like it usually wants to for some unknown reason. Because Facebook sucks. Okay. (laughs) Michael Holzer says, not a shock. He made poor choices. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. I thought there says three comments. I only see two. But I was saying I had a feeling he would be gone for next season. This was surprising so late in the summer. That's my view. But uh, no, I mean, it's absolutely, <laughs> absolutely uh, something there. Chris Clark or Janelle Clark. Okay, it's, but there's nothing there. I don't know if she put a picture that didn't load or a, a meme or something. I got to also mention the Wild did resign Ryan Donato to a two-year deal. Only, uh, it's a pretty cheap contract, too. I have the list up here as well. Uh, 3.8 million, 1.9 annual value. Again, that's really good. Um, They also signed Sturm and Susie on two-way deals. So they come back, I believe. uh, Susie's only a one-year deal, though. So again, he'll be back in the free agent market again. But yeah, Donato, very cheap contract. 1.9 million. And then he's eligible for arbitration restricted free agency, 21 22. So again, the summer of 21. Are eligible for arbitration. He has the exact same contract as Ryan Hartman. That is not bad. That deserves a little applause. That's not bad. But I mean, I know Ryan Donato didn't exactly turn heads that much. He had some nice moments, and then he quieted down after that. Matt Zuccarello, uh, Matt's Zuccarello, a great guy. Everybody loves him, but six mil a year with a no-move clause? That's the worst part. He is here until the summer of 2024. Ladies and gentlemen, and again, Jared Spurgeon. The wheels are not turning for Spurgeon right now. And again, 5.2 basically, slightly under. 13,000 less than that. Unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. Matt Dumba doesn't even have a no-move clause, and he's better than uh, Zuccarello. God almighty, what what the hell was that? You know, ugh. 
Ooh, that bugs me. Uh, Nico Sturm, yep, same thing. Only one year restricted free agent at the end of the season. Not uh, not eligible for arbitration. Luke Johnson was one of the acquisitions. He is eligible for arbitra- arbitration. Pardon me. Ivan Lodney has got three more years, which that's good, I guess. Demetrius Sokolov, two more years. Mason Shaw, who's going to recover from another ACL injury. Number three, two years. Will Biden, two years. Yep, he was re-signed earlier. Dewar, Connor Dewar, three-year entry-level contract. Very happy about that. Alexander Kovanov, three-year entry-level contract. Nico Sturm, only one year, like I said. Restricted free agents uh, will be Luke Cunning and Jordan Greenway after next season as well. Very interesting. And also of note, another guy who is currently a restricted free agent, well, a couple of them, major people, actually, to be quite honest. Uh, Matt Robson's also going to have a very strange deal here. Um, it's like a big 10.2 question mark. So we'll click on the highlight here, and it says, this player, now this information, courtesy of Cap Friendly, this player has not acquired the necessary amount of professional seasons required for Group 2 restricted free agent status. They are ineligible for an offer sheet. Yeah, so very, very interesting there. Very interesting. Capo Kakinen, a restricted free agent after the season. A couple guys here, though. Hunter Warner is a restricted free agent as, uh, at the moment. He's not been re-signed. He was, the, he was a uh, right-shot defenseman in the AHL. Maybe they let him go and have uh, Louis Belpedio play on the correct side, the right side, but the correct side also. Louis Belpedio is still eligible for, uh, yeah, he's in arbitration still at this stage. It's August 3rd, and we haven't done anything with Louis Belpedio, so that scares me a little bit. Arbitration eligible at the moment, and no contract still for Louis Belpedio on August 3rd. That's what I'm doing this on a Saturday morning here. Huh, you know, just like the old days, Saturday morning, Brave the Wild. Louis Belpedio still sitting there, and of course, uh, Kevin Fiala and Yul Arisenek, restricted free agents, no contract signed yet. Uh, again, the uh, I didn't even mention this, but most of you know it already. I'll say it anyway for those of you that may forgot or whatever. Tom Curvers is the acting general manager who's also recovering from cancer, going through chemotherapy and all that. So that's a bummer. Hopefully Tom Curvers is kept on in the organization, bringing in somebody who is, well, you know, not only good at what he does, but he's respectable, this and that. He's respectful of others and a, a good guy and, and obviously good at his job, this and that. Another final thing of note that I think is encouraging and helpful compared to the last uh, couple of uh, free GM hires by Greg Leopold, of course. Again, Fletcher lasted a long time. He did a good job for the most part. I think he was decent at drafting. He was bad at trades uh, and okay at free agency, average at free agency. Um, Mike Madonna will be in the room when these interviews are conducted. That's good. Mike Madonna. So you talk about Mike Madonna. He's not going to join the hockey ops at the moment. He might become a VP of hockey ops or something at some point. I wouldn't be too surprised where he could be a, a help to the general manager someday. But as a business advisor, well, guess what? The business advisor is going to be in the room helping with the interviews, the, the interviewing process. You get a, a true hockey guy, who, a 20-year hockey guy, Mike Madonna, that that's where it's a positive having him on the business side of things because even though he's not in the hockey side, he's still going to be a part of something major here in the hiring of a general manager. So that's kind of cool. That provides a very, uh, that's a very nice benefit for the Minnesota Wild having uh, Mike Bodano already as a business advisor for the Minnesota Wild. And I would not be surprised if someday he does come into the hockey operations. He will not be the general manager. He will not be the president of hockey, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's the VP in the next year or two, depending on maybe what the next general manager wants. Maybe he wants him on as that, and he recommends that to Craig Leopold. So until that day comes, I guess we're going to step away for now. 
And upon the hiring of the next general manager of your Minnesota Wild, we will have the next Brave of the Wild show. That will be the next thing. And, you know, I can't imagine anything else unless Zach Parisi's traded. That was the other thing I left out. Zach Parisi was so frustrated with the situation with uh, Fenton, he was quietly requesting a trade, which might have been the other one of 9,000, you know, one of the other 1,000 cuts. That was probably one of the deeper ones that uh, was the death of Paul Fenton. Uh, I didn't even get to that. Isn't that crazy? But it's, yeah, I mean, it's probably because the odds of Parisi getting traded are like one and one and what, you know what I mean? Other than for like hardly anything because they don't, you know, they're taking on a huge contract and I don't know. And if he ends up retiring early, us and them get punished heavily by the side, by the side the CBA, heavily. Massive cap, uh, salary cap issues will take over and screw up both franchises for many years. Same with Ryan Studer. Stupid ass contracts. Why couldn't why couldn't uh, Fletcher sign them for seven seven years or something? Eight. Why did it have to be thirteen flipping years? <sighs> I don't know, man. I don't know. Okay, with that, I'm going to be quiet now, and we will come back to uh, talk about the next general manager of the Minnesota Wild, and uh, well, discuss what direction we're going at that point. Until then, take care and stay cool because it's still pretty warm out there. Thank you.